One of the great SNL skits of all time aired on April 8th, 2000. <laughs> Written by Will Ferrell and Donald Campbell, it depicts the recording of Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. If you're listening to the show, we're going to assume that you've seen the skit. Christopher Walken plays Bruce Dickinson. Yes, the Bruce Dickinson. The producer who keeps telling the fictional cowbell player, Gene Frankel, played by Will Ferrell. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Well, that got us thinking. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the best use of a cowbell in a song? That's the age-old question. (laughs) This is going to be amazing. I love this question so much. So much. First of all, my guess is you, the listener, knows what a cowbell is, right? But in case you just walked in from the wilderness, (laughs) this is a percussion instrument known as the cowbell. It was literally the bell that farmers hung around the neck of a cow so they could locate the herd. Here's the sound of a herd of cows in the Swiss Alps wearing cowbells. By the way, Clint, someone uploaded a video that is just three hours of that. Oh, God. Who are these psychopaths? (laughs) Clint, talk to us about the history of the cowbell. So a pivotal year for the cowbell took place in 1904. Hmm. So that was the year that two German musicians put cowbells in their compositions. Gustav Mahler used the cowbell in Symphony No. 6. And Richard Strauss used it in an Alpine symphony. Well, in both cases, it's evoking cows in the field. Sure. Like you're a farmer in the Alps. First rock and roll song was Buddy Holly's Heartbeat. And that was released in 1958. But it was used in jazz before that and Latin jazz. Bud Powell, who we talked about in the Blue Note episode, yeah. used it in Un Poco Loco. And so it brought it more to the mainstream in that respect. One of the big differences of the, of the cowbell sound, A, there's a lot of different sounds that you can get from this weird little metal instrument. But... It's also some of these great songs use it as quarter notes where it's just like, and then some of them have these super intricate patterns on the cowbell. Right. That's what I'm excited to dive into in this. By the way, you do a very good cowbell. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That was my mouth. Yeah, that's his mouth, everybody. Just, Just so you know. Let's start with Don't Fear the Reaper. It is almost comical. Once you see that skit, Like, all you hear is the cowbell. Yeah. Here's Blue Oyster Cult drummer Albert Bouchard talking about recording the song. 
The interview is taken from Full in Bloom. I remember exactly what happened. There was an empty track. Brandy Brecker had played a trumpet part that we didn't want on this song. So uh, there was an empty track. And I said, I want to play a triangle on, on the middle part where the trumpet solo was. David Lucas said, well, you can do that, but I want you to play a cowbell in the verses. I'm like, cowbell? Why? This isn't, you know, I mean, first you put a trumpet on it, and now you want a cowbell. I said, is the drum part not steady enough? And he goes, no, I just, I want to hear more quarter note in there. I said, okay, okay, I'll give it a try. And I played it, and I'm like, David, this sounds terrible. And uh, Don Buckdarma said, yeah, David, it's not good. And so uh, he says, well, drop it in tape. That's Everybody does that. So I said, okay. I took some gaffer tape, put it around his cowbell. They play it back for me. I'm like, nah, it's still, uh, I don't get it. I said, oh, wait a minute. What if I play it with a timpani mallet, which I had in my stick bag to do the cymbal rolls and stuff. So I take the timpani mallet out, play it. Donald says, hey, yeah. That's good, man. That sounds really good. This actually works. I said, let me hear it back. I hear it back. I said, okay, okay, let's do it. Do you know any other songs by Blue Oyster Cult? Not off the top of my head. (laughs) And it's interesting how an SNL skit can bring new life to a band. All of a sudden, everyone knows that song. I mean, even bad press is good press. (laughs) Totally. Here's Will Ferrell on Jimmy Fallon talking about how Christopher Walken told him once that the sketch ruined his life. (laughs) I go to see Christopher Walken years later in a play. I say hello to him backstage, and he's like, you know, you've ruined my life. (laughs) (laughs) what? What? People during the curtain call bring cowbells and ring them. (laughs) The other day I went for an Italian food lunch and the waiter asked if I wanted more cowbell with my pasta bolognese. Poor Chris. I think let's just go through a couple for ourselves. We're going to talk about a few songs that each of us has identified as our favorite use of a cowbell, okay? I could have used a little more cowbell. (laughs) My first nominee, recorded in June 1969, a song written by Jagger and Richards, featuring Charlie Watt on drums, but interestingly, he doesn't play the cowbell. The producer, Jimmy Miller, plays the cowbell here. Honky Tonk Women. It topped the charts when it came out, and Rolling Stone magazine included it in their list of top 500 greatest songs. I love the opening lyric. And it's got a percussive rhythmic quality to it that almost predestines the drum part. I met a gin-soaked barroom queen in Memphis. Like, there's a percussiveness to that phrase, you know what I mean? Come on. I met a gin-soaked barroom queen in Memphis. Totally. We've talked about this song almost like like a disorganized way to start the song, but it just works. I don't even understand what's happening. Every time I hear it, it's like weird. It's hard to track the one. The one. Yeah. And this is an example of one of those songs that has 
not a straight quarter note feel. It's right. that cool Latin rhythm that the cowbell plays. And what it has is it's two different tones, right? It's got like, duka, duka. there's like two tones to it, right. which is the cool part of this, this instrument, right? It doesn't have a million tones. It doesn't have one tone. It's got like two tones. <laughs> right. So you got this like right. higher pitched one and this lower pitched one. You're going to want that cowbell on the track. You said that the first use of the cowbell was on a Buddy Holly song. That must have been about 10 years before this song. You know, it's not that far removed from the first time anyone thought to, to bring cowbell totally. into a rock and roll song. You know, in the case of Don't Fear the Reaper, it's pretty straightforward and any monkey could probably play that. In fact, we should talk about at some point that only a few years ago in Burlington, Vermont, on April 14th, 2012, Ben and Jerry's Fish Food Ice Cream celebrated their 15th year of existence. And so John Fishman from the band Fish, drummer of Fish, came out and led an all-star band to the largest ensemble of people playing cowbell together. An estimated 12 to 1,300 people signed up to be a part of the world's largest cowbell ensemble on Church Street this afternoon. Fish drummer John Fishman and the Joshua Panda Band led the crowd with hey, a our buddy Josh Panda. lively concert. Broke the record. Amazing. All playing cowbell together to Don't Fear the Reaper. That's hilarious. By the way, fish food is my favorite flavor of ice cream. So that's my first pick. Okay. What's your first pick? My first pick is... I gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> Lowrider by War. Again, it's got the two different tones. All my friends the Lowrider. So Lowrider was a song written by the funk band War. It was produced by Jerry Goldstein. It was on the album Why Can't We Be Friends, released in 1975. Reached number one on the Billboard R&B singles chart. I love this song. We have played this song, and it goes through the whole song. That's the other thing about the cowbell. Sometimes the cowbell comes and goes and comes and goes, but when it's really driving the song... It just stays the whole time, and it just becomes this the flavor of the whole equation. Interesting side note on the song. I couldn't tell you what band that was. Huh. Yeah. Which makes me think maybe of a future age-old question. The most famous songs that you can't name the artist. Interesting. I love that. This was also used in the movie Days and Confused. That's where I know it from. I mean, right. it's, everybody knows this song, but... Totally. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. My next pick uses the cowbell very sparingly. Hmm. It's a song that we talked about in episode 17, the best use of a song in a movie. It's a song that you called out, and it's use in the film Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. The song is stuck in the middle by Steeler's Wheel. Nice. It's from 1973, and it peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100, sung by Jerry Rafferty, produced by Lieber and Stoller, interestingly. Whoa. It was intentionally sung in the style or a parody 
of Bob Dylan. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. And the way Jerry Rafferty sings that song, people think it's a Bob Dylan song, but obviously it's not. The cowbell is used very sparingly. In fact, it only shows up at the end of the bridge. Huh. Let's listen to that. It's such a funny sound, too. It's like, that's a great example. And that's the thing about the the cowbell is it's a sneaky little bugger. Like, yes, you know it when it's there, but I would never think to define that section of the song by the cowbell until I go back and listen with cowbell on my brain, right? It's like, totally. that's what the cowbell is. It's like this texture in production, and it's... I don't know if it's comedy because of the Saturday Night Live skit, is it? But it it's got this humorous quality to it, to yes. me at least. I don't know. It's yes. like anytime I consider it in a production move, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be funny to put cowbell in this section? I totally agree. Side note: I know you and I have a lot of love for another Jerry Rafferty song, right down the line. Oh yeah, same singer, but sung in a really different style. Again. Stuck in the Middle was intentionally sort of a Bob Dylan parody. He sounds much different on this song, and it's just a great song. Let's listen. You've been as constant as a northern star, the brightest light that shines. Oh, there's cowbell in this one, too. It's woodblock, too. Woman, right down the line. Jerry Rafferty loves the cowbell. I just want to see this is my of telling you everything I could never say before Yeah, this is my way of telling Okay, what's your second song? My second song is Guess what? I got a fever And the only prescription is more cowbell Gotta Give It Up, Part 1 by Marvin Gaye talked about this in the is it inspiration or is it theft episode right. and it's it's the marvin gay classic that blurred lines got sued for it was released in 1977 by marvin gay it was a massive success and let's hear a touch of this one But it's this constant groove. It's another one where it just keeps going. And it just... It's like an accent piece. Yeah, and it creates this, like, funkiness. Right. Even though it's pretty straight. Like, the actual playing... Do you think that part was played as an overdub? Or is that part of the the groove that the drummer's playing? My guess is it's an overdub. It would be interesting to talk to a drummer about this. Speaking of drummers, I just came off tour with The Sweet Remains, and our drummer on this tour is an incredible drummer named Todd Shuba. I asked Todd, what are some of your favorite songs that feature the cowbell? He said, Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Nice. And 
Born on the Bayou. Oh yeah, that's a big one. Wish I would make on the bayou. Bonham, there's there's a lot of what's the one? Good times, bad times. Okay, are you ready for my third pick? Let's hear it. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Roll it. My third pick is, surprise, surprise, a Beatles song. Now, before I get to my choice of Beatles songs, I have a few honorable mentions that feature Cowbell. Here's the isolated drums and rhythm guitar track for Taxman. And you can hear Ringo jamming on the cowbell. Nice. Here's Ringo jamming on the cowbell on I Call Your Name. I call your name, but you're not there. Was I didn't really notice the cowbell on that track. Now that's all I can hear. Right. <laughs> oh, I can't sleep at night since you've been gone. That was March 64, just after they played Ed Sullivan show. A year later, the opening track of Rubber Soul is Drive My Car. Ask the girl what she wanted to be. She said, baby, can't you see? recorded on October 13th, 1965. Now, Clint, notably, this was the first Beatles session that went past midnight. Before that, it was daytime hours. Sure. But as the Beatles became more popular, as they became more experimental in the studio, EMI and Abbey Road Studios allowed them to work the hours they wanted to work. So most of their sessions became late night sessions. But it's interesting to note, the very first one to go past midnight was Drive My Car in October 65. Cool. And maybe you haven't noticed the cowbell on this track, but once I play it for you, that's what you're going to hear. Wow. Like, I don't think the piano's playing the rest of the song. I don't think so. It's just... Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. What's your third pick? Well, I have a couple honorable mentions as well. Okay. Do you remember the band Mountain? So Mountain was an American rock band formed in Long Island in the late 60s. And Mississippi Queen is one of those just cowbell monsters. It's just a rock song. 
Yeah, oh God, it's so good. Total just 70s rock song. But that intro. A lot of times the, it's just in the intro, too, I found. Yeah. That it's just like this this little like flavor. Almost like the metronome that sets the time for the band. Totally. Totally. Like, And then it's abandoned entirely. Which brings me, before I say my third one, I do want to take one side tangent, if we can, yeah, and talk about another instrument that is not as well known as maybe some other. Are you familiar with the vibra slap? Oh, I'm so excited to have you talk about the vibra slap. <laughs> so the vibra slap, I mean, maybe a lot of our listeners wouldn't even know what it's called. It was the first patented instrument by a company called LP, or Latin Percussion, huh. in 1967. It's a replacement for a thing, this is crazy, a horse jaw or a donkey jaw. And if you can imagine the bottom jaw of a donkey or a horse, what happens is that the, the lower jawbone has the teeth still attached to it, but as it dries, the jawbone itself shrinks, but the teeth don't. It creates this space and allows the teeth to rattle sound those things were obviously too hard to carry around to a gig like a horse jaw yeah horse jaw like an actual horse jaw correct and that's what they were trying to recreate recreate i would say the most famous use of the viber slap is in ozzy osbourne's crazy train and it's just in the intro let's listen here we go that's I love it. And that's that that's an example where it's it's panned and delayed. There's like a ping pong delay, so it keeps going. It's like right. My next example is gonna be Aerosmith Sweet Emotion. And again, just in the intro, but check this out. Right there. So that it lasts like two seconds. Here it is. Those are both relatively old songs, I would say, right? Like Sweet Emotion is 75. Crazy Train was 1980. Okay, so so here's an example of just a little bit later. So a band called Cake, short skirt, long jacket. That was a long one. That was a long one. I think it comes back again. I love it. And you're totally right that it's the same space as the cowbell in terms of like almost comical. Yes. Here it is. It's almost like someone lost a bet or they're just like betting. Can we get this in there? And by the way, you hear that? That is a cowbell. Nice. And sharp as a tack. She's playing with her jewelry. That's the magic combo. Fiber slap and cowbell. But now, getting back yes. to my final favorite use of cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. Well, you know my love for the band Guns N' Roses. I do. I mean, it goes many years back. My pick is Night Train by Guns N' Roses off of Appetite for Destruction, released in 1987. Let's have a listen. Four flicks off the top. It's that metronome. And just 
hammers it. I bet he played that live. Right. Is my guess, because it's almost like the timekeeper for him. Right. And that song in particular, you're right. There's something about starting with that aggressive cowbell right off the top that sets the tone for the whole song. And it's a driving, driving song. A lot of times, the cowbell is a driving instrument, too. It cuts through. If you're hitting quarter notes and going, it just like keeps the pulse, keeps the pulse, and pushes it forward. So I think we should talk to Jeff Simons. Great. Jeff Simons. What's up, buddy? First of all, how are you? I'm good. Jeff, we know that you'll have fun with this one. What is the greatest use of a cowbell in a song? Okay, the funniest use is <laughs> Small Town by John Cougar Mellencamp. I know he's now John Mellencamp, but he'll he'll always be John Cougar Mellencamp to me. <laughs> Go back and listen to Small Town and listen how hilariously loud the cowbell is in the mix. I'll never be able to hear it again. Clint, he's an Indiana boy. Yeah. And so John Cougar Mellencamp, like a godlike figure in Indiana. Hell yeah. Clint, you tell stories about going to see him every year at At Deer Creek for uh, 4th of July. Yeah. But you've talked about that drummer, what an impact he has in your childhood memories. Yeah. Kenny Arnoff is the shit. I love incredible. His snare drum is one of the best sounds of the 1980s. I couldn't agree more with you, Clint. And the way he hit the drum, he would throw his arm way up, and he was like a showman. But my favorite, the best, where a cowbell takes the song to a whole nother level is Hey Ladies by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> so in that, Hey Ladies, that cowbell right there is the greatest cowbell that will ever be recorded. That's awesome. Every time I listen to that track, Every time, and it's especially the third time it happens after they do girls flock like bees to a high. Hey, ladies, and then it comes in by that time. I'm driving like 106 miles an hour. Oh man, it's so good. All right, buddy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Great Jeff. Nice. Always good to get Jeff Simons on here. Love it. Thank you, Jeff. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. So I mentioned earlier Todd Chuba. Let's ask Todd what he thinks about the cowbell. Let's call him. Hello? Todd Chuba. Hey, Richie. You are on the age-old question with me and Clint. Hey, Todd. I just shared your text of your favorite examples of the best use of cowbell. We're talking about how the cowbell is actually sort of a funny instrument. And was it funny before the SNL skit? Or as a drummer, have you always thought it was kind of a funny instrument? It did become, you know, with the SNL skit. I mean, it's bad, actually. I actually sometimes don't put a cowbell up because the guy's inevitably going to walk by the stage. And what's he going to say? 
more cowbell. Right, right. It's, it's almost like the guy who uh, always wants the Leonard Skinner tune. Right, Freebird. Right. Yeah. It's kind of bad. But Levon Helm of the band also always referred to it as the funny bone of the drum sets. Huh. How so, interesting. And that was long before Saturday Night Live. One of the things yeah. we've been talking about and we're interested to get your perspective is whether the cowbell is a overdub instrument or whether it's incorporated into the drum performance. I think in the early years, it was part of just the, the regular drum set. Yeah. I mean, I try and get away with it if I use it when I'm actually playing the kit because I think it folds into the groove a little more. Yeah. Sonically, it's cool. You know, it's not a bell of a cymbal. And there's really no other sound on the drum set. So when you go to that thing, it's cool. It's another little texture. That's how I look at it. Great for breakdowns, you know? Well, Todd, you inspired this week's episode, so we wanted to talk to you. Thank you for joining us on The Age Old Question. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, guys. Super cool. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. right, Bye. Thanks, Todd. That was perfect. Drummer's perspective. You and I know just enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be wise. Yes. (laughs) You're going to want that cowbell on the track. We've talked about a bunch of different songs. What is your favorite? What is the best use of a cowbell in a song? Lowrider by War. I love it. That's great. It doesn't get old for me. I'm going to say Stuck in the Middle with you. Great. Just that short end of the middle eight turnaround. That is a great usage because it's... It's so restrained. It's so restrained. What I like about Lowrider is it's not the clank, 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 beat you over the head. It's like this polyrhythmic thing that adds to the groove. Well, it's interesting what Todd was just saying about how the cowbell is part of that Latin polyrhythmic thing yep. in a way that it's different from rock and roll. Yeah, of course. Wait, actually, yeah. there is a great interview with Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers Yeah, all about cowbell. Interesting. It's just him on his drum kit talking about the cowbell. There's something about a cowbell that really like sets the tone for a song. And you know what that tone is? Party! If you got a cowbell in your song, you are partying hard. That's working for the weekend. A little 80s for you. Also, there's a tune from a band from Flint, Michigan called Grand Funk Railroad. And they had a little tune called We're an American Band. It goes like this. All you trolls and haters out there, don't be going, you didn't play the beat right and wrong, Phil, but it's close. It's close. It's close. Um, yeah, so cowbell. That's it. We're good. That's awesome. <laughs> There's this video I found online of these three guys jamming on cowbells, and it's unbelievably fascinating. Huh. Everyone is playing such a deep polyrhythm that it's this cacophony, but it's awesome.
This is cool. It reminds me of the cows in the fields in Switzerland where we started the episode <laughs> with just a little bit more coordination than those cows. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think we did it. I think we did it. The cowbell's a fun thing to talk about. It is. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Thank you to Will Ferrell for giving us the gift God, of that gift. skit. We hope you had fun, as much fun as we did, and we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at the age-old question. Facebook, the age-old question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. Also, if you're digging the podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash theageoldquestion and consider becoming a part of our Age Old Question family. With your support, we'll be able to answer many more age-old questions. Thanks. Thanks.